With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. You've been in a relationship with your private student loans since college, but you're just not that same wide-eyed, studious freshman walking into the financial aid office as you once were. SoFi's here to remind you that it's natural for you and your student debt to grow apart. You've graduated and have new life goals to achieve, while your student debt is stuck living in the past. It's time to break up with your private student debt and move on with SoFi Student Loan Refinancing. With low fixed rates and no fees, it could help you save thousands. And as a SoFi member, you'll unlock membership benefits, including unemployment protection, financial advice, and more. Don't let your student debt hold you back any longer. Join millions of our members who refinance $30 billion in student debt. Move on with SoFi. Start by visiting SoFi.com slash refi today. That's SOFI.com slash REFI. SoFi, get your money right. SoFi student loans originated by SoFi Bank. Any member FDIC. Additional terms and conditions may apply. NMLS 696891. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Celtic State of Mind. I'm Paul John Dykes and today I am joined by the Comeback Kids, Kevin Graham and Brian Degman. Welcome back on the Wednesday Bulletin, guys. How are you doing? Great, mate. How are you? 
brilliant. You must have plenty to talk about because I've not seen you for a couple of weeks, the pair of And before we came on, we were talking about comeback kings. Kevin Graham, what is the finest comeback in living memory? I don't, I don't, if you would have asked me this question, prepared me for this question, it's rather than just putting me on the spot 30 seconds ago, I wouldn't have come up with this answer because this an- answer is probably like just there in my mind at this precise moment in time. But I'm going to say Liam Gallagher's comeback over the last four or five years has been fantastic and entirely unexpected. Oh, well, will we have a Liam Gallagher esque comeback in Kevin Graham, Brian, do you think? I think they, I think we will. Um, our quote is Stone Roses. I am the resurrection. He's back. Oh He's back yes. To, back to you're back. Uh, there is plenty to talk about, seeing how you guys haven't really been here to talk about the off-field upheaval at Celtic Park and also a massive game tomorrow night. I mean, I, I'm not downplaying it at all. Kevin Graham has, much, much to my annoyance for several years, reminded me that we are no longer a Champions League team. You've been saying that since the birth, since the genesis of Axon, Kevin. Um, and you reckon that this is our level. And if it's our level, we need to compete at this level. Do you think we are equipped to compete in this this group? It's a, it's a difficult group, Kev. It's an extremely difficult group. When the draw was getting made, um, I was watching it in my attic because I was in isolation at that point. And obviously you get Leverkusen first. Then you go, I, I wouldn't want that group because they're, they're, they're the toughest, one of the top seeds that you can actually get. Then Betis come out as, then then Celtic go into that and you're like, well, all right, right. Then all of a sudden Betis are in my A. And right away you're looking at, you do, you do not want, clubs from the top five leagues. Look, it's great for the the glamour, the glitz and the disco lights to get big names in that there. But you're really looking for to finish first or second in the group. And having Betis and uh, Leverkusen there right away puts you as a no a favourite to actually finish in the top two. But you're then looking... When that draw came out, I'm having a look at the pot four and I'm going, hopefully the allies for escape to victory are knowing pot four because we're guaranteed to get them. Or, or uh, 1970 Brazil are knowing pot four because it was looking like, to have a cliche, the group of death looked like it was coming out right away. I was glad to get Friday uh, as the pot four team and the, uh, the two games that we've got against Betis and Leverkusen for me, are all us preparing for the double header against Friday to finish third in the group? Um, we're still. You look at the, AC, the, the the AZ game, and I think that showed you the level where we are in Europe at this precise moment in time. To get two teams that are expected to go deep in this competition in Betis and Leverkusen has been a bad break for us, really has. And you have a look at the injuries and the, the pullouts that we've had over the last twenty four hours. Then again, tomorrow night's looking like a, it was already looking a, 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 to, a tough task, but it's even it's it's like it's looking even tougher now. The, the get out that we've actually got is if we finish third in this group, we get European football after Christmas, mm-hmm. and I think for me that is a, that is the aim of the group to get European football after Christmas, and 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 I'm and I'm looking to get in the. The double header against Friday. That's what I'm looking. That's what I'm looking to like uh, get back on. Tomorrow night is what tomorrow night's going to be. 
is going to be a tough, tough night, even even if we had a full team, it was going to be a tough night against a very decent team. But we just need to go there and see what happens. We're still at the infancy here of uh, the Ange Postacoglu reign. And I think games going to Spain, going to Germany, uh, I, I, I've, just, I've just come in far too early for this squad. Especially mm. now, uh, especially now, a fair a squad that's looking fun on numbers. Well, we will talk about that, Kev, especially when we're looking at the potential lineup and not only the first eleven, but I think you start getting a wee bit concerned when you start looking at the the subs. I mean, it was bad enough at the weekend. It's going to be even more stretched to get the the nine required subs on the bench for the Europa League game. Uh, Kevin makes a point, Brian, and you know this follows on by comments from Bastian Schweinsteiger, who uh, tweeted out that Celtic Park was one of the most impressive venues that he's played at in the fans, etc. It's not the first time. I never take that for granted. I love hearing top, top players speaking fondly about coming to Celtic Park and the experience of that. But you have got to try and weigh that up, you know, um, in relation to some of the absolute pounding Celtic have taken from the top, top clubs in recent years. So in relation to what, what Kev's just said there, he is looking realistically at Celtic being third in this table, in this group, when you look at last season's groups, for example, 10 points would have got you out of every group bar one. Is that just a bridge too far for the Celtic side at this stage of the Postacoglu project or journey? Possibly. I think the, the key thing about Europe this season, and I think we spoke about it at the start of the season, is it's almost a bit of a bonus. It's, it's a gauge for us to say, right, how far are we into this? Because I think, you know, I, I've said this before, I think Kev said it as well, we need to be competing, we need to be going to like the likes of Betis and be convinced we can win and play them, you know, at their own game, play the football we want to play. Once we start, once we get to that level, domestically we'll take care of ourselves. So I think these games are good. The chances are we'll beat off Betis, right? Not be negative, but just on paper it looks like it. But it's important we go there and play the post the way and let the players try and be brave and move forward and go for it. And if you get beat, you get beat. But we need to keep trying that. It's like if you're a boxer and you're sparring with someone, you don't spar with someone that you're better than because it's a waste of your time. You go in there against someone that's really good, you get your face pounded in, next time you spar with them, you get your face pounded slightly less until the point where you need to move on and spar with someone even better. So that's the sort of mentality we have to have, I think, going into this campaign is that we need to gauge so we go against Betis tomorrow we may not win but we need to get to that level that's where we should be at playing the way we're playing so I'm really excited by it um, I do think it's too quick for us I've said that I said my expectations for this season in general are, are still reasonably low um, because I just think it's going to even you, you touched on it Paul yeah the team's playing quite well we've got a decent start in 11 now with a couple of, a couple of subs but that's nowhere near. You need two strong starting 11s to be a really successful team. So I definitely think we're, we're still two transfer windows away from having that squad depth. And then by that time, the players that are going to be mainstays under Postacoglu uh, will be well established, we're well used to it. And hopefully then, you know, this time next year, we're talking about we should go there and beat the likes of Betis, go to Germany and, and go against Leverkusen and, and, and not have any worries. You know, when you're looking at where we are at the moment, Kev, there's a couple of things um, 
just taken from what, what Brian said there that I'm going to ask you. The first thing I'm going to ask is at what point did you concede or realise that, you know, Celtic weren't at the top table as a European club, Kev? Because, you know, we go through the process of obviously Seville is relevant to this fixture tomorrow night um, and we reach our third European final in Seville. From that point, we've then had some fantastic runs in Europe. You know, you look at the last 16, um, you know, qualifications under Gordon Strachan, for example, heady, heady days. Um, now, we're now at a stage where we're talking about getting European football beyond Christmas by finishing third in the, the second tier of European competition. At what point did you come to the, that realisation or did you concede that Celtic were no longer at the top table, Kev? For me, Celtic haven't been a European giant since 1974. Uh, we've had a couple of runs every so often. You can have a look at uh, Rapid Vienna 84. I do really believe, and this is probably one for Screamer Celica, that if we would have got through against Rapid, we would have got to the Cup Winners' Cup final that year and played a, a, a very, very good Everton side. Uh, when you actually see the teams that Rapid played after us, after they put us out, we were just as good. You then go, then your next greatest run after that is Seville. It's the first time that we've been in European football after Christmas in 23 years. Then you get Strachan twice in the last 16, Neil Lennon's twice in the last 16s. These, these, these are just skirmishes in the, in the whole European landscape since 1974. And when I realised that we were never going to compete and we didn't want to compete, it's when you start getting beat off your Malmos, you start getting beat off your Ferris Varos, you start getting you get a Champions League route into it and you get beat with teams that you should like resource wise should be beaten because the club never had any ambition other than being one step ahead domestically. They never prepared to be a European club. So you're probably talking about ten years ago. When I when I begun to realise that they, they just leave European football to chance, they do not they do not prepare to be a European team, and that's when my expectations about European football like disappeared. Now, I think we've completed domestic football. We've done four trebles in a row. We've done four trebles in a row, and now we should be looking to Europe. And I'm are looking to Europe, and but I just think this season, and I think it's been proved against the two quality opposition that we've came up against this season. Mitchelland, we'll beat Mitchelland with first eleven now. That's that just came far, far too early. But you go, you go to AZ Altmar, and we get through. I says at the time, I think we've overachieved getting into the Europa League this season, just before we started. But you look at Altmar, they played us off the park for periods in both the games. But we had great possession in some of the games as well, especially the last half hour of the second leg. After we stood up to their onslaught, they had one chance in the last half hour. We played that game out and you're going, right, that is quite decent. Then you go to Ibrox. Now Rangers will get out, probably get out their Europa League group as well. And they've been to the last... 32 in the last 16 in the Europa League in the last two seasons. Eh? A decent side built for European competition. When you look where we are there, we're not quite there in Europe yet. But I'm having a look at this group and going, Friday gives us a chance to show that we should be beating teams that we should be beating. Teams from a, 
teams that have got a lesser resource than us. So that's what I'm looking at. I think Betis and Leverkusen, we can't punch, punch them yet. We could, get a, we could get a lucky punch. Who knows? We, we don't know that. If we're going to finish first or second in this group, Paul and Brian, I really do think that Leverkusen or Betis have got to have a horrific campaign. Mm. <laughs> they, 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 they've got to collapse. And we've got we've got to punch far above our weight. What we've what, where we've shown shown where we've shown where we are at the moment. At the moment, for me, we've shown we're a fun side. We haven't actually shown that we're a good side yet, but that will happen over the next months and transfer windows. You know, when you're you're looking at some of the clubs, Brian, that, that Kevin mentions there, and it's not that you're taking it for granted, but if you were to compare resources, for example, there are certain clubs that Celtic should be able to overcome and we've not been doing that. And that's the biggest disappointment. It was one of the biggest disappointments, I think, um, you know, during the, the tenure of Brennan Rodgers that we had, we were really poor in Europe. Um, that, that was the one kind of period of the, the last 10 years of domination or so, where you kind of thought to yourself, we will be able to do something here because of what Brendan Rodgers was building there. And it, did, it didn't happen. Um, the best run in recent times, you know, was when we, we, we faced and defeated Lazio, for example. Um, and obviously Kevin and I never tire of talking about the home leg when we were at the game with Andrew Innes from Primal Scream. And I'll continue to remind everybody of that, Kevin. Um, so when you're looking at, for example, the Ferenc Varos games that, that Kevin refers to, and we've got our Hungarian um, you know, contributor, and Kevin McCluskey, who we hope will be able to give us as much as possible over those two those two, two games. Is that all Celtic should expect? Should we, um, I mean, the, the headline, how should Ange Postacoglu line up to make Celtic history in Spain? It would be historical because we've never, in a competitive game, won on Spanish soil. Now, I was reading a lot of those reports, but I've never won in Spain, obviously, you know, Celtic fans know that we have, but it was in the the Stefano testimonial game when we went over and, and beaten them one nothing thanks to Bobby Lennox goal. But competitively, we've never won over there. We've had three draws. Um, as Kevin quite rightly says, sometimes you get a lucky punch, or sometimes you know your opposition just aren't at it, and we go out and we play to our full potential. Can Celtic get anything, Brian, or is that completely beyond us to even nick a draw over there? No, I don't think it's, it's beyond us at all. You know, this conversation brings up two sort of points. The first point, I think, is it's that, you know, what, what makes a big club, you know. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Celtic said, you know, we're a, we're a huge, I think we're a, we're a huge club, we're an institution globally. There's no doubt about that. We've got the history, we've got the romanticism, we've got the world-class stadium, the great support. But we've, we've underachieved in Europe for a long, long time. Mm. I think that, that's due to the, the Scottish coefficient, but obviously we used to get entry straight into the group stages that always helped. Um, when that stopped, you really start to see starting to struggle. And I think it was a mixture of the preparation, the lack of preparation for, for the board, and you know the fact that we were playing teams that were halfway through their season, and we were playing them almost as a pre-season. So I think that's hindered us. And what's happened is your expectations are actually lower. We're talking about 
you know, let's try and beat Tenis Farosh and, and finish third in that group. And, you know, on paper, Celtic as a club is, the, uh, Celtic as a club is the biggest club in that group, but we're nowhere near the biggest team. And, you know, these sources only match and these sources only becomes into play when you're prepared. And, um, you know, so I think that I, I just wrote an article actually, and it was about basically comparing the outgoing CEO and Peter Wall with mm. the type of CEO I wanted Don McCarty to be and the differences there. And, you know, Peter Law can point to the domestic success, but this business mode they spoke about dropped in, they said an Ajax mode. You know, Ajax never had a problem qualifying. You know, they've never had a problem doing these things because they were prepared and were organised and were committed to an ideal. And that's not something that Celtic have been for a long time. So, um, I, I suppose that the first point your answer is, I think that, yes, we're a, a Champions League club, or we should be, but we, it was going to take us a long time to get back there. Mm. In terms of getting a result over there, I think this is why I'm a, a big advocate of the way Postacoglu wants the team to play, is because we've always got a puncher's chance. You know we're probably going to concede goals, but I think if you go there and you sit in against Spanish opposition, you're going to concede goals anyway. I think it's just a matter of time. But at least if you go and you attack, you've got a chance there. One of the things that Postacoglu mentioned that I love, and something that I think is really important as a life lesson, is he hates the underdog tag that Celtic have. He hates that. He says, because if you consider yourself an underdog, you're, you're, you're almost convincing yourself you've not got any right to win. Yeah. You have to be brave enough and say, we're just as good as them. It's 11 versus 11, and we're going to be brave on the ball, and we're going to pass it, and when we're in possession, it doesn't matter what they do. And I love that attitude. Is it naive at times? Possibly. But do you know what? If we believe we're good enough to get there, and we keep playing that way, and keep trying to get there, eventually we will. But if we're settling, if in three years' time, four years' time, you're still having conversations about finishing third in the Europa League, then we've failed yet again, and the club has to move forward. Like KFC, and like Agrivi, domestic, competition and how I gauge metric success in a lot of ways of course the metrics there if you're a trophy successful but I think some success in European football over the next few years will show if there's any improvement and I think there has to be for us to move forward You know last week it was interesting Brian um, Jim Orr has a certain way of just making things pretty clear and when we were talking about European aspirations he basically said we've just got to do better than we did last time round right now, that's more of an aspiration or a vision than we've been given, Kevin, by Celtic. So as a Celtic season ticket holder for, I've lost count how many years you've been a season ticket holder since, what, 1994? 94, aye. And you don't know, as a Celtic fan who contributes um, into the, the, the biggest income stream that they have in terms of season ticket sales, you don't know what the aspirations of this club is in Europe. But one thing's for sure, going by what yourself and Brian have said today, and Celtic fans largely would agree with, I think, is that regardless of all that, every single time we come round to those qualifiers, we're ill-prepared for it. And the biggest frustration, going back to a point you made about Ferenc Varos, if we were prepared, and what I mean by that is, I don't mean sign another two or three 10 million quid players, just get the players that we eventually do bring in earlier so that they're actually there to compete in the games that we need to get through. One of the striking um, examples of that was when we, we spent 10 million quid and the two guys were on the bench, Kev, and McGregor's playing left back against Cluj, I think it was. They knock us out. We proved later on in the season that we're 
actually quite comfortably better than Cluj. And that is the biggest frustration as a Celtic fan, Kev. And it must be for someone who's held a season ticket for, you know, as long as you have and many other people out there will feel the same. We don't actually know what the vision is on a European stage. No, no, you don't. And I'm going to pick up something Brian says there as well, that the club says that they're a Champions League club. The only thing that the club is world class at doing is saying that they're a Champions League club. They never, they, they never do anything to back up that statement, and they, they, they just sort of blind, they just sort of blindly stumble along, hoping, hoping like a gambler, hoping that he puts a pound in, in a in, in, a, in a fruit machine that he's going to hit the jackpot. That's what we've been doing for the last ten years, and this season was always a write off just with the, the whole Eddie Howe thing and bringing that Ange Postecoglou in so late, and that's how I reckon that we've overpunched already this season getting into the Europa League group stage mm. when the odds were against us coming up against a side like Alma. Yeah. We, we shouldn't have got through that time. He's done and remarkably, Kevin, to get he, through that time. He, he, he has done remarkably. This club should be should be looking to Europe because if you aim for Europe, the domestic game takes care of itself. <laughs> I have a, I have a look across I have a look at Rangers and Steven Gerrard has actually built a side for Europe. And the domestic games took care of care of itself. There's a strong physical side that's got a shape. They've got a way of playing. Sometimes they'll struggle domestically with that way of playing. But when they go away from home against the likes of the, the numerous good away results that they've got over the last couple of years, it's because that's what Gerard's built, built his team to do. And that's what we, we should be aiming. And I'm hoping that's where Postacoglu's aiming. It's not just the domestic game that we've got to be successful in. We've got to we've we've got to aim to make go deep in Europe every season. And if if that happens, then the domestic game takes care of itself. It really does take care of itself. But you're having a look at this, and we're and we're going we're going on about guys like um, beat on other squad players, beat on Ryan Christie Edward. Let's talk about Christian Edward. Beat on still at the club. Ryan Christie proved he wasn't good enough to beat Cluj, Ferenc Varos. We need to improve on Ryan Christie to get through the through, through those games. Edward couldn't do it all himself and had to move. But guys like Ryan Christie and there's other players in that team who were all building up at this precise moment in time. This is where they're going to get measured. European football is where they're going to get measured. And if they continually fail in Europe, they need to replace the better players or we need to develop better players. But I'm not going to judge anybody on tomorrow night or the game against Leverkusen or how we end up in this group because it is just far too early. I just want to see positive shoots in the performance that we can maybe go there and the 17 players, 18 players believe what Postacoglu is trying to do. Maybe the 18 players won't be there in a year's time or 18 months' time or 24 months' time when everything clicks. But as long as the the squad are believing what Postacoglu says, then I'm going to be quite happy. That's an excellent point to lead us into the, the next part of the discussion, Kev. But before I go into that, I'll refer back to a discussion you, you and I had on a very early version of the Axon Bulletin. I don't even think we called it the Axon Bulletin. Um, we spoke about Chris Iyer way back, mm-hmm. two years ago. And I suggested at that time that we had a £10 million player in Ayer. And you said, I think he could develop into that player. If you're looking at Christie and saying, well, he didn't step up to the mark in Europe. Do you think Ayer did? And if not, have we bought bought in better? 
I mean, I know it's early to say, but uh, you know, on paper, do you think we're brought in better? On on paper, it's very difficult to say because we developed Ayer and the player that got his move to Brentford, and I know some people thought Ayer was a bit like disingenuous with his comments when he went down, but I can I know exactly where he's coming from. We can't we can't slag Ayer for saying that he's moved to improve himself, and praise Liam Scales for actually saying the exact same thing. Moving for Shamrock Rovers to Celtic, you, you can't slag one and no slag the other. I, I mean, I we felt, can't take that personally as a club as well, no, though, Kev. No. It's not against Celtic. We he's not saying, you know, Brentford's a bigger club than Celtic. I mean, that's not what he's trying to say. It's the platform that he's mm-hmm. playing on. And you look at last season, it seems that everything was rotten in the dressing room last season. And maybe Ayer always looked like he was given 100%, but there was sometimes you could see he was switched off because. The whole club was switched off last season mm. and it would have been interesting to see him this season, but good luck to him at Brentford. I'm, I'm sure I'm sure he is going to do well, same with Eddie. Good luck to him at Crystal Palace. Uh, it was nice. I must admit, I did comment to my dad after seeing his first goal on a Saturday that that was the quickest he had run in 18 months to get on the to burst into that box um, to score his first goal. Uh, again, that's a wee bit tongue-in-cheek, but it looked that way. <laughs> it looked like he, he wanted to get there. But we need to get better players in. These players are part of a group that failed to get us into the Champions League. So we can't shed any tears when they move on because the, it's maybe not their fault 100% that we're, getting into the, that we're not getting into the Champions League, but we do need better players. And when these guys move on, that's part and parcel. And we just need to hope that the guys that come in, eh, Vickers and like Starfield, eh, are, can play in a unit because we need to we need to be greater in the sum of our parts in Europe and can play the way Postacoglu wants us to play and to get us to where we want to be in Europe. Which is for me, I'm not talking about getting to finals. I'm talking about getting to quarterfinals. Last sixteens, last eights, knockout phase, because yeah. I reckon that's where we should be at Europa League level every single season. You know, you were uh, talking there about Eddie, and sorry to bring this up, Kev, but I don't think I've had the opportunity to ask you uh, because, as you say, you were basically um, confined to a loft space, uh, like some kind of pariah, for a couple of weeks. Um, Edward, the Stone Roses, is it desecrated for you, mate? Oh, not at all, not at all. I, I still, it was, it was really good. The, the last game at Celtic Park when he came on and the, the Green Brigade got a, a want to be Edward going and they sung it for a good 10, 15 minutes. It'll always be your song. doesn't matter what the, the Homestead boys or whatever the Crystal Palace Ultras do with it. It's always going to be a, it's always going to be a Celtic song. Same with the, uh, the Stuart Armstrong song. So, no, no, it's not no desecrated for me. I thought it was very good, uh, the Crystal Palace launch video or signing video for Edouard. Eh? Um, I mean, it was quite clear that Edouard has never been in a record shop in his life. <laughs> he, he, he was wondering what this black magic was that he was picking up. I know. Uh, so, I well, good luck to the fella. Good luck to him. Absolutely. Now, Real Betis, uh, we're talking about them. Brian, as if they are out of our league, they have won one in four league games so far this season, sitting ninth in La Liga uh, on the back of a 2-1 away win against Granada. 
on Monday, which I still find a bit bizarre. Um, Nabil Fakir could be their star man up top. My Spanish correspondent, i.e. videographer Kelvin, has informed me this morning. And Manuel Pellegrino has already said that Celtic have a slight advantage, so he's playing the mind games. Uh, we've only ever drawn three games over there, uh, Brian. Let's have a wee look about how we line up because it's going to be key. I had concerns at the weekend there about the threadbare nature of the squad. Yes, we're in better shape than we were going into the games against Michelin, particularly in key areas, but we are still short. So, for example, we're talking um, about maybe some of the, the creative players in an offensive sense, but we do only have, unless one of you want to give me an update on Giacomacus, one fit striker. Is that the case? Is you know a yeti, you know, after a two goal performance at the weekend, a yeti is going to start up front. How else do you think Posto Cogley will line up, Brian? I think you're probably looking at um again I'm slightly unfamiliar with the latest injury update, so if I put anybody in here that's injured then just just yell at me. But obviously you're gonna have heart and goals. Um, I actually think Ralston will come back in. Um I think uh, Yanovich will go to left back. My assumption is Taylor won't play. Um, I don't know if that's official or not, but I wouldn't imagine he would after coming off twice with shoulder. I think Taylor's going for an operation on his shoulder. Right, okay, so he's definitely playing. Um, Mm -hmm. I think Carter Vickers and Starfield will will, will be the centre half partnership. Starfield's Mm -hmm. looking a bit more confident, so I don't think you want to drop him at this stage. I think it's unfortunate for Welsh, um, but it is what it is. Um, I actually think McCarthy should start. Mm. Um, I think that we don't have the luxury to play Roderick, Tumble and McGregor over there. <coughs> um, McCarthy just gives you a bit more steel, just in case. I think, actually, I like McGregor slightly forward anyway. I think him and Tumble will do well. Also, Yeti up front and then Jota and Abada. Just, the, the reason that... I, I don't know if I'm confident going over there, but the reason I'm not scared going over there is I think that Kev touched on it. The players we've signed, I think, are, are built for Europe. The way he's want to play is built for the European stage, I think. Yeah. He doesn't have that, that sort of Scottish mentality of, you know, sitting deep, trying to soak up pressure and counter-attack. And guys like Jota, Abada, you can, you can imagine them playing in, a, in the Spanish league. Mm. You know, I think McGregor's always played differently from a lot of Scottish players. Um, Juranovic I think is going to be excellent for us longer term I think Ralston coming in will be good because I think he gives that steel because you do need that balance I think with Carter Vickers he's an absolute unit at the back and I mean I don't think he's the tallest um, centre back but he's, he's a strong strong lad um, I think Ralston's a, a, a bit physical player yeah. so when you're in the corners they're ideal as well so I, I think that mixture will be good for us. Um, but that's that's how I would see his lining up. I do think McCarthy has to come in. Um, I think Soros too clumsy um, against the Spaniards. I think they'll, they'll run rings around. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. 
House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. I switched to Boost Mobile and got a free Samsung Galaxy A23 5G phone. Want to know the best part? Uh, it was free? Nope. The fact that it's on America's largest 5G networks? Nope. It's the ding. Oh, yeah. Love the ding. Right? It's all about the ding. It's the dingarooski, the dingarona, the ring-a-ding-ding. Unleash your power to save with Boost. Get a free Samsung Galaxy A23 5G phone when you switch. Boost Mobile. Unleash your power. And the ding. Limited time offer. New customers only. Available on select networks. 5G not available everywhere. One device per line. Tax excluded. Additional restrictions apply. See your local Boost Mobile store for details. Well, you've brought up a few interesting points, and I think there are some uh, areas of that park that will become discussion points. I'm going to throw them over to yourself, Kevin, and I'll pick mm-hmm. up on your point about sorrow as well, because we spoke about it yesterday, and there was a lot of people came in on the comments after the event to disagree with some of the comments on sorrow. So we'll throw that one out as well. And obviously I'll get as many comments in as possible. So Kevin, I think uh, most people are looking at Hart, Starfelt, Carter Vickers, but there is a question around the fullbacks. Do you bring Ralston back in, switch Juranovic to the left? Do you play Juranovic right back with Montgomery on the left? How do you play the fullbacks, Kev? Obviously the news in the last half hour is McGregor's out and Abada's out. So we have to we we'll have to take that and take that into account. If James Forrest is seventy ten days away from making any sort of comeback whatsoever, and Greg Taylor needs a uh, operation. So when you have a look at it, that leaves one forward, uh, one fit forward in Ayeti, and we're struggling in, in the centre of midfield. Sorrow maybe is not the natural uh, replacement for Callum McGregor, but. It's probably the one that um, Ange Postacoglu is going to go with. So you've got to say Sorrell will come in. Uh, I reckon I agree with, with Brian. I think McCarthy will play as well. I think mm. you'll have a midfield three of McCarthy, Sorrell and D- David Turnbull. The back line, again, it's going to be the back line that went to Ibrox, apart from uh, Carter Vickers. So it's Hart, Ralston, Carter Vickers. Starfield and Juranovic at left at left back. <laughs> Up front, I think you're going to have Ayete, Yota, and I think Adam Montgomery is going to get pushed further forward into that into a sort of left role and maybe Yota getting put on the right hand side. Or either that we're going to get some strange hybrid of mm. Tom Rogic playing on the right on, on the on the right hand side to place a bad to replace a badder, but I don't think that that fits. Whatever whatever we're going to see, there's going to be some form of jigsaw going on, and there's going to be a lot of square pegs and round holes. And even then, you've still got Beaton, who may make an appearance as a defensive midfielder. He's been who missing knows? for the last couple of weeks, Kev. There's no update mm-hmm. on him. I'm guessing on the injury front. No, that no, there I'm just having a look at the first team squad there, eh? And like you've still got guys like you've got Ewan Henderson, Liam Shaw in the midfield to come in, uh, Luke O'Connell. But if you look at the guys who are first team players, you've only got beat on Sorrow, Turnbull, McCarthy, uh, Yota, and Tom Rogic. 
is actually fit as as a midfield aid. So we are right there. I'm going to actually give credit to Alan Morrison here, and he says that we're very light in the middle of the park, and I think this proves it. Mm. I think against better sides, our midfield three were always going to be McGregor, McCarthy, and Turnbull because they've got the legs and the engine and the football ability to keep the ball and go up and down the park. But even then, that doesn't seem to be Turnbull's best side of his game yet. So against better sides, I think our midfield is still light in the type of players that we need. Hopefully McCarthy's up to speed and hopefully Sorrow comes up to speed. We're going to need somebody like a Shaw to break through this season to actually make a contribution because of the lightness we are in that centre midfield until we get to January. We're now in a situation, it's a real uh, sad indictment of the the state of the squad when you get another couple of unexpected injuries, which is going to happen all season. And you really are looking to play someone out of their best position, Kev, because it's not completely out of position. Because when Yota was asked at the press conference, he spoke about playing left, right and centre, mm-hmm. but his preferred position was left. That's his natural position. So yes, I could see him flipping over, over to the right. We're now in a situation where Abada, Forrest and Dembele are all injured. That's all three players who can play on the right-hand side. They're all out. Um, you're looking at the left-back situation. You're, there are no strikers, there are no forward players on the bench against Ross County. Yep. Who were you bringing on? Again, you were going to have to switch somebody up top who doesn't mm-hmm. play there naturally and you're just shifting the problem elsewhere so you've got a weaker player in a different position. And then you start talking about that, Ben. So there's a couple of questions from what Kev's given us an update there. Brian, uh, you're on version 2.1 of your, your starting lineup. Now, McCarthy's a player that you know I really like. I think you know he, he really is capable. Do you have any concerns about throwing him in? Um, for a game like tomorrow night for his first start in a Celtic jersey it will be only his fourth appearance uh, for Celtic No not at all I think he's got the experience um, and it's not somebody that knows the club obviously he's an experienced player I don't think he'll be phased coming in he's also been training with the boys although he's not featured a lot so I'm not really concerned um, I'll be honest that was a bit of an injury bombshell there um, what was making while you were chatting I was thinking do you think maybe post the Coglu then instead of you know, switching players into positions. Do you think he, he rejigs maybe the formation and maybe goes three five two, puts Jota up front next to Yeti as a as a front two? Um, he could have Juranovic and or he could Juranovic right wing back, Montgomery left wing back, and then a back three, say Welsh, Carter and Starfield, or even Ralston is part of a back three. He he's, he's got the physicality to do it. Mm. You may say if, you know, a quick rejig, do something like that. Because I think the, I don't think the system relies on the formation. I think the system is still, you know, press for the front, you know, bring your full-backs in, overload the midfield. So that may not change too much. So it'll be interesting to see if he actually he rejigs the formation and see if that has a, a, a result. Because I think we're making the assumption it's going to keep the same formation. We are, and yeah. I, and actually, I think, because I, I think for Australia, he played three at the back. Um, and I think over his, his, some of his clubs he's, he's rotated between a, a three and a four at the back depending I think three four three was his preferred formation for a while so he might, he might find he goes to a, a three five two and then that may actually benefit us so it'd be interesting to see just in terms of players you were talking about what I think is important that we see this season and I think we've spoken about before about the type of usually one or two youth players coming through a season at, at max I think Montgomery 
I'd like to see him get as many chances as possible. I think that boy's got something special. I like his attitude, and I, I, I've yet to see him and be disappointed. I think he's always impressed me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think I'd have probably dropped Taylor for him anyway if Taylor hadn't been injured. So I'd like to see him coming through, and I think the boy Shaw would like to see. I know technically he's not one of the other youth players, but it's time for guys like that to come in and show what they can do and, and really impress. And as Kev says, Shaw is something that we don't have in that middle of the park. He's, he's a big lad. He's like 6'4", 6'5", something like that. Big physical player. And, you know, maybe dropping a guy like that right in is a, is a surprise. Isn't it the worst thing? And, and see what they could do. Because I think at some point we're going to have to rely on these younger guys. So why not say, do you know what? Let, let's see what they can do. If they're at Celtic and they're going to be players at Celtic, then they need to play. And if they're not good enough, we'll find out and they can go. I was, well, just, I, was, I was just checking the UEFA website there, Paul. Eh? Mm-hmm. Liam Shaw is in the Euro- Europa League squad. So is Owen Moffat. So we can. that's another forward option, which will probably be on the bench if he It'll actually does travel. It shows you just, Kev, how threadbare that is. I'm going to feed that into another discussion point. But before we leave the potential lineup to talk about other matters, um, Sorrow was brought up yesterday. And by the way, talking about Shaw, Brian, uh, again, Alan Morrison, there's, there's his second mention of the day, was telling me that he reckons he's uh, in the mould of a Joe Ledley type player, just for anyone who's not seen a, a great deal of Shaw. We've seen him in pre-season and that. Um, he's a bit of a Joe Ledley style player. That's what he brings to, to Celtic. I'm not saying he's as good as, but in terms of the type of player he is. Um, but Sorrow was brought up yesterday and I spoke of a player who came into the team, thrown in, as, as it were, against Lille, performed very, very well, and continued to perform well up until the, the Scottish Cup final where he missed that with the food poisoning, Kev. It was a bit stop and start for the rest of the season, and he hasn't really got started yet under Ange Postacoglu. I raised that because... I see it as something of a concern because it's gone from a player who you thought to yourself when he came in, had him and Turnbull been in earlier on in the season, things might have been different on the park. We'll never know. Uh, but now he's turned into a bit of a bit part player. And should we be concerned about that, Kev? I mean, you're saying tonight, uh, sorry, tomorrow night, he might end up being a starter. Uh, he might be forced to start the game. Is it a concern for you that his form has faded pretty badly? It's a concern for me that... Callum McGregor's natural replacement in the squad is a massive downgrade. And there, there is a massive difference between Callum McGregor and Sorrow. I think there's a running joke that we have, Paul, and we go, when is he going to commit his first free kick? Mm-hmm. <laughs> One minute, two minute, 30 seconds, because he comes on as a sub when he charges into a challenge and gives away free kicks. He seems to be a bit rash. Uh, but then again, he hasn't had a lot of a game time at Celtic, so it could just be a learning curve for him. The way Poster Coglu wants us to play football, for me, Callum McGregor is an integral part of that. And Sorrow is um if you're asking Sorrow to do the Callum McGregor job, then it's going it's going to fail. And and that's no any slight on Sorrow whatsoever. I think last season we were maybe desperate for any sort of joke whatsoever. Mm. to try and get this team going and we've maybe like overestimated the powers of sorrow and now when you actually see a midfield we're now going well, he, he is a bit, he's still a bit raw he's still a bit rough he's still got this 
he's, he can approve here, he can improve that. He's going to need to improve the more tonight. I real about we're going to get a chase and all about the shop, and that's what that's what he's going to need to do. And it looks like when you look on, when you look at what Postacoglu's done so far this season, Sorrow is ahead of Shaw any time a sub in that midfield area yes. comes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what that says about Liam Shaw, we do not know at this precise moment in time, but as somebody says, Liam Shaw's got a different physicality to, to Sorrow, eh? mm-hmm. But at the moment, we're, we're, going, we're pinning our hopes on Sorrow. We might be pinning our hopes on Sorrow. We will be pinning our hopes on Sorrow in other games this season because we can't expect Callum McGregor to give us another 60-game season. No, but, you know, you're absolutely right here. Um, Feed the Bear comes in. Welcome to the show, Feed the Bear. And every time he comes in, Kevin, I look at that picture of Roy Aiken and I have to remind myself that he's probably only 27 at that stage. <laughs> and I think, wow, because he looks a lot older than 27, doesn't he? But as a young kid, you watch Roy Aiken and he looks like a man and you're not quite sure what age is. He's only about 27 in that picture. That's unbelievable. It's like the pictures you see for the the eighties and that when you look back over family pictures and there's an uncle who was thirty at the time and he looks about fifty six. I know. And you're like, oof. <laughs> uh, we're lucky. Those young, fresh faced looking lads in this room are all lucky. Young pops, yes. Mm. Feed the bear says, as far as Europe goes, troops. To put it blatantly, uh, I could not give. Uh, yes, league most important. I've heard a lot of Celtic fans saying that because of the type of season that we're in, Kev, and we're in transition. We've got a new manager. We're um, going into a stage of having an interim CEO uh, who was announced yesterday as a director of Celtic Football Club in Michael Nicholson. So a lot of people have that view. I guess I'm just, you know, I'm stuck in the way of whenever Celtic play, I want them to do as well as possible. If we're entering a competition, then I want us to do well. I don't expect Celtic to win a European competition, but I want us to improve on what we did last season. Now, it wasn't great last season, and I think that regardless of what happens, we're on the right road with Postacoglu. But one of my concerns, and this leads into something that we're going to talk about anyway, because you guys haven't had a chance to talk about Don Mackay's um, departure from Celtic after 72 days in post You've got Hans Postacoglu here who goes into the Michelin game uh, and he's forced to play a central defensive partnership um, whereby you're, you're playing a central midfielder, Kev, uh, at centre-half. And I know we've had that discussion before, but again, we shouldn't have to play an adapted midfielder at centre-half at this stage when we've spoken about it season after season after season. He gets sent off stupidly. And then we're throwing in an 18-year-old to make his debut. So Postacoglu is looking at that situation with utter frustration, I'm guessing, at that point, because this is, you know, one of the biggest income streams for the club, the prestige of playing in the Champions League. And he's entering into that competition with one arm tied behind his back. Um, We were quite unlucky to get knocked out. Let's remember it. We took Mm -hmm. the lead away at Michelin with an 18 and a 21-year-old at centre-half. We take the lead and we get... You know, we get knocked out because of an extra 10 goal. A few weeks down the line, we're entering into our first group stage game. And again, we've got one fit centre forward. A couple of um, injuries, Kev. It's not as though we're missing six or seven guys unexpectedly. A couple of injuries, and it's thrown us into disarray again. Where we're talking about playing people out of position. The bench might have some of the names you've mentioned, Kev. They've not got the experience that you would expect in a game of this magnitude. 
you know, as much as I, I like the look of Owen Moffat, you don't want to be throwing him in because these games can just gobble a young guy like that up. I mean, I know it can work the other way, but it's not ideal. Ange Postecoglou must be looking at the situation uh, currently, having come into the, the club. And apparently, part of that process, uh, the latter part of that process was dealt with by the now departed Dominic Mackay. He's come into the club, Brian. He doesn't have his backroom team. And I don't mean coaching staff. We, you know, you've written about it as well. But a, a backroom team where we're talking about analysis and sports science, etc., to prepare us for these big games. And the CEO who's came in is no longer there. And he's now looking at a group stage game. And again, he must be feeling like he's he's doing it with one arm tied behind his back because he's shuffling the pack time and time again. You can still hear me, but uh, someone obviously keeps switching my camera off. I don't know why, but there we go. Um, and it might come back with the webcam. So there you go. There's a full head-on <laughs> shot. Um, and I'll continue to talk just while we get that sorted out, so, just so that I didn't scare the bairns. And... Postacoglu, it does concern me, Brian, that we're in a situation where the one thing that's keeping us going at the moment is him, his style of play, the cut of his jib, if you're allowed to say that. That wasn't me doing a Charlie Mulgrew video, by the way. And he might be unhappy. Is that a concern for you around about the CEO situation, Brian? Yeah, I mean, so again, it brings up a couple of points that I'll answer your first one first. So Postacoglu, it's a huge concern because the reality is what we need now more than ever, and we see this when Neil Lennon left, we need consistency. We need to build. So we've got 12 players in this transfer window. We need to bed them in. That 12 players still isn't enough to create a good squad. We still need to get more players in and build this up. We need to be in a position where we've got... It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. You know, our under-12s, our under-16s, our B-team, our reserves, whoever, all playing the same system the same way so that we can start to funnel players through. The club needs a vision and a purpose. At the moment, we've kind of got that under post the Coglu, right? But he's also not got his background team in. He's not got his sports scientists in. He's not got his conditioning staff in. He's not got a, a recruitment specialist He's not a head scout. Anything he does, any victories he gets, any positive things he achieves with that background is incredible. And the the benefit we're taking is we're saying, well, if he can do that, can do what he's done so far and keep the fans on board with all that going on in the background, the guys, you know, (coughs) the worry is, as you say, if he goes, that's it. I mean, you're, you're, you're almost doubling up in a rebuild. You know, it's been such a stop-start rebuild anyway, especially with Don Mackay changing. And, you know, 
I think Postogogo has been quite cute in some of the things he said. You know, he mm. mentioned Michael Nicholson by name. You know, how much he gets on with him and stuff. So he's not stupid. He understands what's going on. And there was rumours that him and Don McKay weren't quite as close as the loving glances that each other suggested. Um, so, you know, he may, be, he may be happier now that he's not there. And there may be plans afoot that we don't know about. But it's a huge concern. Um, I just want to pick up on something that Fidi Bear says about the, the league being the most important thing. See that attitude that the league's the most important thing every year? That's the attitude that Peter Law and the board have had for the past nine years. That's why Celtic are constantly worried about Europe. We've got to be more ambitious than that. We have to be. And when we get a CEO in, like the one that Don McKay promised to be, this modern thinking CEO who's going to just deal with the finances and that side of the business and leave the football to the football people. And you know, that's what we need. We don't need this job for the boys. Let's keep the system going. Let's, you know, we've been successful so far. Let's keep doing it the same way. It'll be fine. Because it won't. It's, there's massive changes needed. I think I'm a wee bit more annoyed at the are we a bit more upset at the CEO leaving than most people because, you know, I, I work in a, a, a sort of high corporate structure business and I see the effect leadership at that level has. Mm. You know, us as a club, it's not just the football side we need to be concerned about because it's been run so poorly in so many aspects for such a long time. That has to improve. So I, I'm, I'm more concerned at the optics of who's picking new CEO and what that might look like than the, the team at the moment. But to answer your first point, of course I'm concerned about Postacoglu's happiness. I think yeah. he's the thing that's holding everyone together at the moment. But the, the CEO, I, I think, is a, a real a real sad indictment of where we are structurally at the club at the moment. I've got a comment, uh, Brian, because we do, we read the comments, obviously, on all the various channels, don't always have the opportunity to, to come through and... Uh, directly respond to them because the one-hour show, Kev, as Kev demonstrated with Scream Celica, could quite easily become a two-hour show <laughs> if you're not careful. Um, and by the way, we'll stay here for two hours if everybody's available, but, you know, people are juggling all the time. But one of the things that was brought up yesterday following yesterday's show was that um, we need to stop focusing on the board. So it's going back to a point uh, that, that's been made here. Um, let, let's just look at the board in isolation over the last year. Let's go back one year ago and when we started, Kevin, raising big concerns about Neil Lennon. It was about a year ago, wasn't it, uh, mm-hmm. on a Celtic state of mind. Now, if you just look at the performance within that one year, and yes, we've had COVID, but so is every other football club in the world, right? So, you know, every time I hear that, I'm thinking, yes, but we're on the same kind of plane, kind of level as everybody else in respect to COVID because everybody's had to deal with that, right? So the, the Neil Lennon, it wasn't working. They dragged their heels. Uh, some people were, were saying it wasn't working in September. You, you look at the Ferenc Varos game. They dragged their heel, heels until February. So there's a board who, for me, showed themselves up to be incompetent at that stage. We then went 106 days without a man in charge. There's That's on the board. We then went um, through that whole process of putting all our eggs in one basket with Eddie Howe. That's on the board. And then we have... Uh, appointed someone who was going to modernise the football club, Kevin, and he lasts 72 days. Uh, as Brian says, we don't know the ins and outs of that, but there's part of the responsibility there is on the board. Either we've, we've actually appointed the wrong guy or it's gone wrong since he's came in. So the part of that responsibility is on the board. It concerns me greatly 
Kev, that, uh, and also you could throw into that mix, once again, we were ill-prepared for the Champions League qualifier. So in isolation, just the last year, it has been a comedy of errors by the by the board, Kev. You've not had an opportunity to speak about the handling of the Dominic Mackay appointment and departure or the current state of play at Celtic in terms of the boardroom level. What's your take on it, Kev? Truthfully, when the news came through on Friday night, I was more concerned that uh, Kyago was out for seven games at that precise moment in time. The fact that my football club showed that we were not a shambles once again was didn't actually surprise me. I, w- I was too I was too busy bored that a star player was going to be out for seven games, and I was having a look at the seven games that he was going to miss and how we were going to do him with it, how we were going to do without him and that. Look, after a couple of days, and you've seen that, you, I'm not going to go across the, the the leaks to certain journalists of what is supposed to have happened. What's what's clearly happened is he's done something to annoy Dermot Desmond, and Dermot Desmond's pulled the trigger and says, go, uh, this is not working for whatever reasons. What, what Celtic do next will say everything about the direction that the club is going. Mm-hmm. At the moment, they're standing with their foot above a landmine and they can either put it down on that landmine and everything goes boom, or they can overstep it and move the club forward into modernisation. Maybe Don Mackay wasn't the man to take the, take the club forward. Maybe replacing a micromanager like Peter Wall with having the same corporate structure behind them was just too much for people to take. But we need to move forward, and whether that means replacing the chairman, replacing, getting a CEO on um, who has got the ear of the major shareholder, because that's what he needs. He needs the ear. I think it's extremely clear that this football club is run by whatever Dermot Desmond says. Mm. So for me, if Dermot Desmond wants to take a hands-on role, appoint his man. Come in and appoint a man has got the same vision for the football club as him, and then we've got somebody to blame rather than this sort of smoke and mirrors which is going out the now and uh, bits and pieces and rumours and counter rumours, known for full well that Don Mackay carry come out and tell us his side of the story. Where we go from here is more important than what's happened in the last 72 days. Mm-hmm. It, is, it is worrying. It is really worrying. Mm-hmm. And I don't trust this PLC board today anything, as you've, you've just listed a, a list of crimes over the last 12 months, which shows that they're not fit for purpose. The modernisation still needs to happen, and Dermot Desmond needs to make sure that modernisation mm-hmm. happens. If that means him appointing Ross Desmond to take over his inheritance, then so be it. But let's not try to let, let's no let's not kid us on any longer. Let's start being truthful with us and let's move on. And this club needs modernised, and it needs to get done. We need to replace Banker. We need to replace quite a lot of the non-executive board who haven't done their job over the last ten years by calling into question decisions that Peter Walls made. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're, we're, we're talking about winning the league. Aye, we won the league fine and well, but what do we do after it? Next season, or oh, the league's a priority again. No, I want to win the league and go and do something in Europe. I just didn't want to win the league for the kudos it brings winning the league. We and that 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 mindset has to change. That, I agree that with mindset that. has to change. Should we 
have seen the writing on the wall. When you look at a CEO who's come in with a vision, talking about modernisation of the football club, yet somehow Dermot Desmond had to get hands-on with transfers. I'm not going to name particular transfers, but that was one of the stories that was leaked, Kev. We know that there are preferred journalists out there that if Celtic want to get a story out, it gets uh, leaked into these these different platforms. And that's what happened. Dermot Desmond's going to take a hands-on approach to get transfers over the line. At that stage, as a CEO, you must have felt pretty undermined, even though he's a principal shareholder. You must have felt, well, this is my job, and it's all over the press. I mean, you must have felt pretty undermined if you're Don McKay at that stage. Definitely, because you've got Ange Postacoglu coming out and saying, when I write a book, you'll realise how many targets I've actually missed. One thing about Don McKay, if he had ignored phone calls from Peter Law, good on him because that's what should have been done anyway. should be ignoring the, 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 the CEO doing that. And with Dermot Desmond as well, it's, he was there 71 days, and this shows the recruitment process was wrong. Yes. The, the recruitment process was 100% wrong if you appoint a man that you've got to get rid of 71 days later. You got it wrong. So, so you've got it wrong. So you have to move on and you have to see the reasons why you got it wrong. And there'll be people within that organisation that got it wrong and they've got to be moved on as well. You know, a big a big concern I've got, and we'll wrap it up after this one, but it leads on from what Kevin was saying there, Brian, talking about modernising the club. I love uh, the analogy of hovering over a landmine. Your next step is going to be crucial. Um, whilst this is all happening, whilst it seems as though Celtic are standing still, dare I say, uh, five clubs in Scotland don't want to stand still any longer. And you've got Aberdeen, Hibs, Hearts, Dundee and Dundee United. Um under the radar, perhaps, it certainly made um, news headlines that they have created um, a, a group uh, whereby an alliance whereby they want to review the branding and the structure of the SPFL. They want to maximise every single avenue um, of the game. And you're looking at, yeah, we've spoken about it so many times, you know, we, we undersell the game uh, in so many ways. Um, it doesn't seem to be improving. So you've got five other clubs, uh, notably Celtic, were not involved in that. It sounds as though, even though we are standing still, even other clubs, I mean, Dundee, Dundee United, they want change. They want to progress. And they're doing that under um, incredible constraints when you look at the, the level of finance they're bringing into their clubs, the amount of season tickets they are able to sell. I mean, I've not actually done a a figure, but I'm pretty sure if you put all those five clubs together, um, Celtic probably sell more season tickets than all five of them. Uh, so the finance and, and the leverage that Celtic has is vast and colossal compared to that. Yet they're realising that they need to move on. It worries me a wee bit, not that we're not part of that specific alliance, but it worries me that we seem to be standing still and other clubs are progressing because we've seen it in Europe, Kevin. Clubs have put us out and you're thinking you're getting kind of shocked two or three years later they're Champions League group stage veterans they're there there or thereabouts every single year yet we're regressing that worries me massively what did you make of the announcement from this alliance Brian? I thought it was good and I think one of the key things they mentioned was they want to use that revenue to help create better players you know better mm -hmm. academy bring younger players through you know dare I say they've got a modern outlook on things and um, I think you know when we talk about Don McKay you don't know the man personally, but it's what he represented. Is what we've lost that that modernisation he kept talking about the fan engagement, the, the chanting people. 
They're the things that we've lost, and it's the things that, as you right to say, Paul, other clubs seem to be doing, and yet we're not. Just before we go, I just want to, we've had comments obviously coming through saying that we talk too much about the board. The reason we talk too much about the board is because they're always interfering. You know, Peter Law wasn't wasn't want to be a celebrity. It's like a referee, right? See if a referee's having a good game, you never hear them. You know, want to talk about them because if it's a good game, you don't hear about CEOs of other clubs or boards of other clubs because they're doing a good job. You don't need to hear about them. Peter Law, you had to hear about because he was constantly getting involved with transfers and annoying the managers. Brendan Rodgers walked away because of him. You know, Peter Law's in the front line hiring Neil Lennon in the shovels. They're putting themselves in the spotlight, so we need to talk about them. We need to address them. And it'd be a dereliction of duty as fans if we ignore what the board does and say, oh, just shut up and be happy with it. There's also two distinct sides to any football club, the football structure and the corporate structure. We shouldn't have to know anything about the corporate structure. It should just work on itself. The problem is Celtic has not been fit for purpose, much like the SPFL in terms of their corporate structure for a long time. So change is needed. And I'm glad the clubs are taking it upon themselves to try and you know, sort of get a better deal for themselves because the SPFL board are they doing it. Um, or they're not worried that way, but that's the, the implication. Yeah. Celtic they understand that we need to do the same thing. And as I say, we're no, we're no obsessed with the board and we're no obsessed with Don McKay. We're obsessed with what Don McKay represented. And we have to talk about the board because they're putting ourselves in the spotlight ultimately. Um, so I'd, love, I'd love if we didn't need to talk about them. Maybe yeah. the that'd, be, that'd be ideal. That's what we've been asking for for, for several years. Two things on that, Brian. I was the same when I started reading fanzines in the 80s. I wanted to read about football and it was all about the board. Um, and it educated me, actually, not the view. I keep saying it. But there's subjective and on, on objective views on this. Um, if you're going to be completely objective, we've probably spoken about the board for 10 minutes of a 60-minute broadcast, 62-minute broadcast. We spent 40, 45 minutes talking about tomorrow night's game. So it's all right throwing the comment in, but it's got to carry a bit of weight. We're not going to ignore what's happening off the park. I don't think it's been focused on uh, to the degree that some might be suggesting there. That you know, you might not want to hear about the board, and that's fine. But we've not spoken about them throughout the entire show because that's just inherently wrong. What I want to get before we get finished, Kev, Brian, is a wee prediction for tomorrow night. You knew it was coming, Kevin Graham. I always say predictions are for fools. Um, I'm uh, the best. I'm hoping for is a tight defeat. I won nothing. I won nothing. Defeat. Great performance, and we can we can take positives for. Brian, make a prediction for tomorrow night. Now that the away goal rule's been scrapped, I reckon we're going to score a couple. Um, but I think we can see a couple, so I'm going to go two each. My prediction is Celtic will score first. That's my prediction. Now, <laughs> thanks everybody. <laughs> I never said a score. Just a prediction. Um, Thanks, everybody, for getting involved. You're watching us uh, on many different platforms out there, and we do appreciate it. If you're on YouTube, make sure that you subscribe because we're giving away prizes every single month to our subscribers, um, previous subscribers, current subscribers, and new. And uh, this month, we're giving away four different Axom Concept jerseys. A couple of platinum discs have already been given away. There is loads of framed Celtic memorabilia, be that jerseys, prints, etc., that will be given away as we move ahead. And any other smart stuff that comes into the um, studio. A chopper came in the other day, Kevin, and instead of giving it away, I made you ride it and we filmed you doing it. So that's for a future video. Uh, watch this space. I've got to thank the returning Kevin Graham and Brian Degnan also for joining me on A Celtic State of Mind. Thank you.
It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. Sports Social Podcast Network. At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.